Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week on Taco City, we live about a 1980s taco mainstay that almost disappeared forever. It got so crazy and like we ran out of food that I, I had to like lock the door right here and tell people, I'm sorry, we, we're going to have to take a couple hours to regroup. The taco. We've all had one, no matter where you live. In its simplest form, it's a tortilla, meat, cheese, and sauce. But did you know there were hundreds of variations? My name is Rob Gokey. I'm a film and television composer born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I'm also a connoisseur of tacos, and I wrote a book called Taco City Los Angeles, exploring tacos and the chefs in my city and what inspires them to make the tacos they do. This show will delve deeper into the taquerias of the world and also teach you how to make them. Welcome to Taco City. Thanks to Bombfell this week for supporting Taco City. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps find the right clothes for you. Get $25 off your first purchase at bombfell.com slash taco city. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash taco city. Thanks, Bombfell. If you were a teenager growing up in Orange County, California in the 80s, chances are you ate it in Noggles. It was a place you went after school, when parties broke up, when you needed a meetup location. The cheese burrito, bun taco, and bean and cheese cup were staples of the Mexican fast food chain started by Dick Noggle in 1970 on the southwest corner of 14th Street and Brockton Avenue in Riverside. Prepare food fresh, serve customers fast, keep place clean. This was the mantra of Dick Noggle when he opened his first location. Dick had previously worked for Del Taco and branched off on his own to create Noggles. Two years in, he partnered with Harold Butler, who was the founder of Denny's, and started to expand. By 1986, they had 225 Noggles restaurants and an offer of purchase from Collins Food International, so they took it. Then, in full circle fashion, Anwar Salomon purchased both Collins Food and Del Taco in 1988 and merged them together, so Noggles became Del Taco, which slowly converted the restaurants over to Del Taco's. The last Noggles disappeared in March of 1994, and that was the end of a chain that had become so prevalent in Southern California culture for over two decades. Well, until Christian Zebarth came along. Christian runs a blog called Orange County Mexican Restaurants, where he'd often review places in his hometown and the surrounding area. On Tuesday, August 1st, 2006, he decided to pen a throwback piece about a place that he'd gone to as a kid, Noggles. One paragraph about a restaurant long ago that he'd reminisced about. And then his blog exploded. Noggles fans found him from all corners of the country, waxing nostalgic about what Noggles meant to them and what unique memories they had of it. The post led Christian to write another, a petition to Del Taco to bring Noggles back. 
That sparked the interest of a PR person at Del Taco who met Christian for lunch and listened to him plead his case. But nothing came of it. Instead of letting it fade away like most of us would, Christian decided he wanted to reopen Noggles himself, and he took Del Taco to court to ask for the name back. On March 31st, 2015, after five years of arbitration, during which time Christian had several off-the-grid Noggles pop-up events and reverse-engineered the original Noggles recipes, the court ruled in his favor and gave him the Noggles name. I sat down with Christian at the reopened Noggles location in Fountain Valley, and over an original taco and a bun taco, we talked about how and why he decided to jump into the restaurant business and resurrect a piece of his childhood so he could share it with the world. And then I mentioned Noggles, and all of a sudden my traffic went insane for the whole vlog. Like, all of, all of a sudden I started getting like a ton of comments. Oh my gosh, I remember them. Like, I totally love their cheap burrito, blah, blah, blah. The energy, like, I'm getting the sense. People would, if it was around, people would just go. Christian knew that Del Taco had bought out all the Noggles, so he assumed that they owned the trademark um, and didn't think it was going to be an easy task to get it away from them, but he figured, wh why not just ask? It couldn't hurt to ask. I, I figured Del Taco had the trademark for but trademarks do expire. You have, you have to renew them every 10 years, and if you don't renew it, then it just expires. But there's a loophole in, in the trademark laws in that if you don't do anything with the trademark for three years, if there's three years of non-use, then someone else has um, the ability to be able to take the trademark back or take it from you because you're not actively doing anything with it. You're just sitting on it. And in 2006, they renewed it and said, yeah, we're still using the trademark. But hadn't done anything with it the nothing, entire 10 years. Nothing, nothing. All that they really had was on the history section of deltaco.com it said like highlights from each decade of the history and it said in uh, 1988 uh, Del Taco merged with Noggles and that was it. So Christian decided he would take on the big guy because he had nothing to lose. Uh, the worst thing that could happen is they'd just say no um, and he really wanted to resurrect Noggles so he asked Del Taco for the name back. I feel like most people would take them on would would get to the point where Del Taco said, no, we're gonna take you to court, and then just say, forget it, this isn't worth it. I love that you were like, fine, let's go. <laughs> not, not only that, kind of nihilistic about it. I was kind of like, let's just see what happens, you know? Because what do you have to lose? Like the worst thing that could happen is they could say, no, we're giving it back to Del Taco, and then it ends. But the best thing that could happen is what happened if you won. When I started the case, I, I basically, my case was, the premise still was, I was asserting that they had abandoned the novel trademark and that they should no longer have it. So Christian spent five years in arbitration going back and forth with Noggles and finally won the name back and was able to open his own Noggles. He chose Fountain Valley, California, which is down in Orange County as the location of the inaugural new Noggles. And I asked him why that's where he decided to put it. Um, so why Fountain Valley when you decided you were gonna put one we were going to come back. Well, I grew up in Fountain Valley, and I remember going to the novels in Fountain Valley. I mean, that didn't make us decide to have the first one here. When we were still working on the case, when it was maybe about six months before it largely wrapped up. How long were you in court? Uh, were you in arbitration all that time? So oh, five, six years, five and a half years oh, or something. It took it that crazy. long? It was crazy, yeah. I, one of the partners um, had a job that was right by here, and he would come to this place when it was a deli. 
and get sandwiches and stuff. And then one time, he said to the deli owner, hey, you remember Noggles? And the guy was like, oh, I remember them. He goes, oh, well, I'm working on bringing it back, and we want to have like a pop-up event. And the guy goes, you can borrow my place if you want. And when he ran it as a deli here, it was open Monday through Friday, so it was totally wide open for us to use on a Saturday. So we had a pop-up event in October 2014 and one in, and then December 2014, which were very interesting stories in their own right. But, but uh, it showed that we were had genuine intent to use the trademark and stuff. I mean, they were... Well, I heard that you got so many more people than you thought you were going to get. <laughs> at both of them? Because I didn't know you had two. At, I you just at had both of them. It, was, it got ridiculous. I, I mean, I might stun you with how ridiculous it got. So in order to show the court that they had a vested interest in Noggles and they just didn't want to sit on the name themselves, they had to show that there was public interest in bringing Noggles back. So Christian and his partners did some pop-up events where they were just open for a couple hours in one day or so, um, and they would sell Noggles products, just a small amount of products, uh, and he would, would post the event online so that people knew to come. But he got far more people than he ever expected to get. We made it so you had to buy tickets to come to the event, and you had to buy them online ahead of time. So that way we would be like, if we sold 50 tickets, tickets we know 50 people are going to show up. Right, you had a head count ahead of time. Yeah. So you knew how much food to make. Yeah, and then when they came, they said, here's a, an abbreviated menu, you can order two items, and we'll get you chips and a drink. Um, so we had 50 tickets on sale, and nothing really sold until the, there was a handful that sold. And then the OC Weekly mentioned it, and then like all of a sudden the rest of them sold out because the OC Weekly mentioned it. We created a wait list. I thought maybe we'll, maybe we'll be able to add some more, maybe we'll be able to accept a few more people, we'll see. Let's just make a wait list. And, and then we ended up getting like 650 people on the wait list. This was the weird part. Even after the pop-up event occurred, people were adding their names to the wait list. So clearly there was a lot of interest in a resurgence of Noggles from people, uh, particularly people who went to high school during the time that Noggles was around. So that event was in October. They decided that they would try having another event in December uh, because that one went so well and see how that did. We handled those 50 pretty well. Maybe the next one we can do 150. And um, so I thought, oh, there's all those people on the wait list. What I, what if, we honor that they got on the wait list and give them the first stab at buying tickets for this next one. So I sent out emails to those people on the wait list saying there's a 24 hour period where only wait list people have access to tickets for this next event. And after that, you might still be able to get the tickets, but a ticket, but it's more up for grabs because it will be open to the public after that. Well, it sold out in like a few hours and then there was nothing even to announce to the public. public. <laughs> no, because all your, well, yeah, because if you had 650 people on the wait list, even just a fraction of them would beat up the 150 like that. Yeah, and then people that got tickets for the second event, they were going online, going to Facebook, hey, I got tickets for the next novel event. And people, other people were upset. They're like, I'm so incensed. I didn't even know that tickets were on sale. Like, so we only had 150 spots and 600 and some odd people that wanted tickets. And he told me this funny story um, about a woman who was trying to get tickets right at the tail end of the 150. I got to where 147 had sold, and a woman emailed me and goes, I know you're, you're trying to cap at 150, but I'm trying to get a group of seven there, and it says there's only three left. Can you raise the limit? I'm like, yeah, I can, I can raise the limit. 
to 154. I raised it to 154 and I emailed her back. I said, you have to order right away because it, it, I, I can't, I don't have the capability to push it your way. You just have to right. snatch it up right now. And then she writes back and goes, she goes, I just tried to get them, but they were sold out. <laughs> and th this is like happening in a matter of minutes, you know? You're like, if I keep adding four, how far are they get before? So it went to like 165 or 170 because I had to up it a few times. And then, uh, yeah, it went up. And then we, we had like TV news crews here and everything that day. And so obviously one of the keys to reproducing novel success was to be able to reproduce the recipes. Uh, and Christian didn't have the recipes written down anywhere. They they actually died with Dick Noggle um, when he passed away, and only his nephew had a copy of the actual recipes themselves. So Christian had to figure out what the flavors and the spices and the tastes were in the Noggle's food so that he was able to reproduce them in 2016. Um, so when you had to recreate the recipes, I'm jumping ahead a little bit because we're talking about oh, that's food. Fine. Did you did you have the Noggle's recipes or did you? We got some information from um, Jeff Noggle who is in Visalia and we got some sauces from him. He's provided some and said, he said, I'm not going to give you the recipes, but you can use these as like reference points or whatever. Oh, so basically, well, because I, I thought that you had had to create them from scratch. And I'm like, how would you do that if the restaurant's not around? Like, that's impossible. But if he was able to give you some, here's some of the sauce, take it back. If you can figure it out, great. But I'm not going to tell you what's in it. That's basically what happened. And he has a restaurant in Visalia that's pretty much Noggle's food, but with a different name. And I've been there like, 15 times or something. And yeah, we were able to kind of put everything together. A lot of it was our chef being really good with analyzing flavors and stuff. Have but, you had the same chef all the way around that's helped you with yeah. the recipes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, What's your chef's name? John Smittle. Um, so he has a lot of restaurant and food experience. A lot of it was me getting information and taking it to him and him working with it. So I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. So Christian had the name. He reverse engineered the recipes. Now he needed a brick and mortar location to open up Noggles. Um, and he had a bit of luck with the deli that he'd been using as a pop-up location. Well, for a while we talked about how, hey, well, you're you're only open Monday through Friday. What if we ran as a Noggles on Saturdays and Sundays? And that was kind of talked about for a while. And then we got a ruling on the trademark decision uh, earlier than we thought we would. We were that it was going to be, it could be about 18 months. We got the ruling in about, I think about four months. Uh, so we're like, oh, we need to get a restaurant together. And so we came back here and, and John was like, no, my, my deli is doing okay, but I think you could probably do better with it as a Noggles. But we retained him as a chef. So Noggles opened in Fountain Valley. Um, and you know, they, because of the pop-up, they had an idea of what kind of crowds to expect. The first three days were were decent, but a slower start, and then everything exploded on the fourth day. I think on the fourth day, we just got slammed, and there was people going out the door and down the street, crazy parking going on, somebody fainted outside, and the, they were waiting in line. Uh, people were parking all over, people were coming in and saying that they had come from like Palm Springs or Vegas or wow. Riverside. Or, and. Well, yeah, all those places where there used to be a Noggles, and then there yeah. wasn't. So, like, this is the closest and only one. Let's go. Yeah, so it was crazy. I mean, those were crazy, crazy days. And while they were prepared for a lot of customers, they were not prepared for a crowd of this size. 
And with that came some problems, including running out of food, um, to the point that they had to shut down for a few hours one day. Uh, there was one time that it got so crazy and like we ran out of food that I, I had to like lock the door right here and uh, tell people, I'm sorry, we, we're going to have to take a couple hours to regroup. That, that then got out in the news that Goggles closed down. So almost two years later, there's still people that think that the business closed down for good when the closure was really only about two hours and 45 minutes. So I always ask my guests what drives them, what keeps them getting up every morning and doing what they do. Um, and in the case of Noggles, it's, it's obviously a bit different. And I feel like the question is pre-answered for me. Um, you know, a lot of places, they have recipes first, they have a heritage, they um, come in with this love of food. Um, and in Christian's case, he comes in with this love of food as well, but it's because of all of the people that want the food and all the people with all the great memories of Noggles that drove him to create it in the first place. Um, so I knew before I even asked him that his answer was going to be the people. What keeps you going every day doing this? Like what drives you every morning and waking up? And well, it's kind of still through? like the same thing as it was several years ago where there's still high demand for it, very high demand. People every single day saying, when are you gonna to come to my area? Some people have known about the rebirth for a couple of years now, but some people are finding out about it each day. So to them, it's very fresh. No way, no one about it. And it's exciting to talk with people about their stories. It's exciting, you know, asking them about their memories. What location did you go to? What did you like to get? Some people talk to, you know, about how um, they worked there. We have a couple that comes in fairly often, maybe once or twice a month. That met well, they were working at a Nautilus in Santa Ana in the 80s, and now they're married 30 years later, you know. <laughs> So, That's awesome. So there's all sorts of stories. I mean, uh, about two months ago, I came here on a like a late Saturday morning or something, and there was, over there, there's this big group of people from St. Louis, and over just over mm -hmm. from them was a big group of people from Florida, and there was people in each group that remembered it from their states. Do you want to open more locations? Oh, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> do you think the current popularity of tacos has helped your business, or do you think? I mean, it's a little different here because of the nostalgia. It's hard um, to say because nostalgia is a factor, taco popularity is a factor, Mexican food is a factor, but people are just kind of more open to Mexican food in general. There's that. There's people that remember novels before that are introducing it to their kids, and then the kids want them to bring them back. You know, part of our mindset is what. Let's try to imagine what would they have become if they just kept going continuously without interruption. What would they be in 2017? You can't predict perfectly, but you can make educated guesses. Right. Like there'd be modernization, but there'd still be the same novels feel to it, look, and everything. Noggles Tacos and Burgers is at 18471 Mount Langley in Fountain Valley, California, 92708. You can find Noggles online at nogglestacos.com. They're also on Twitter as Noggles Tacos, N-A-U-G-L-E-S-T-A-C-O-S, and on Instagram also as Noggles Tacos. Christian wanted me to let you know that uh, if you're listening to this uh, week of Thanksgiving, that they're closed Thanksgiving Day and the Friday after, and they'll be open for regular hours Saturday and Sunday. All that talk about tacos has made me hungry, so why don't we go make some? Bombfell supporting Taco City this week. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps find the right clothes for you. 
Once you sign up online and complete a simple questionnaire, you're matched one-on-one -on -one with a dedicated personal stylist who handpicks every piece. Your stylist will email you a preview of the selections, after which you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. You're in total control. Afterwards, Bombfell will ship you the selected clothes and you'll have seven days to decide and only pay for what you want to keep. You send the rest back with free shipping both ways. You can receive clothes every one, two, or three months and you can pause or cancel at any time. And the clothing is shipped straight to your door so there's no need to spend hours shopping at the store. I got my last Bombfell shipment a few weeks ago and um, the clothes came really quickly. And it was the perfect ensemble to wear to the Streamy Awards which were happening that same week. Um, I felt really comfortable in the clothes on the red carpet, um, and they were the perfect thing to wear to an award show. I'm looking forward to my next shipment. I'm really excited to see what my stylist will pick out for me uh, next month. The process of ordering was super easy. The clothes are a great value, and it saved me tons of time shopping at the store, which is not something I like to do. I have a special offer just for listeners of Taco City. For $25 off your first purchase, go to bombfell.com slash taco city. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash taco city once again that's bombfell.com slash taco city for 25 dollars off your first purchase and thanks again to bombfell for supporting taco city so today we're going to make chicken tinga tacos we haven't done any chicken yet um on the podcast so i thought this would be a good um introduction to chicken as a protein for tacos and these are Again, like most of the ones we've been doing, these are not very difficult, and they actually don't have a whole lot of ingredients. Um, chicken tinga, tinga is a so uh, uh, the sauce that you cook the tacos in. It's basically tomatoes and chipotle mixed together with, you know, salt and pepper and, um, you know, some onion and some garlic. So it's, it's very, it's, it's not a complicated thing to eat, and it's really tasty. And in California, you can find chicken tinga at taco places, um, once in a while, not everybody's got it. So let's go through our list of ingredients. I've got about three pounds of chicken. I have the leg and thigh pieces together. Um, I bought three of those. So that's enough for, that's enough for two people and leftovers. So I'm gonna have leftover chicken after um, we're done. Um, I've got one bouillon cube. You can use, chicken is best, chicken bouillon, you can use beef or vegetable if you want. Um, the chicken one actually works the best. Uh, I've got a can, a large can, uh, 28 ounces of whole peeled tomatoes. It's important when you buy the canned tomatoes that you get the whole peeled um, because they still have the most flavor um, in the tomato. It's the best canned tomato of all the types. Diced, um, the one that's already pureed. This is the one you should always use when you're doing any kind of tomato sauce. Um, I've got a small can of chipotle peppers in adobo sauce. It's a seven ounce can. Um, La, La Morena is the brand that I find at the store, but you should be able to find chipotle peppers um, at any store. They are deep red and kind of wrinkly. Uh, you you look, look for them on the can. The can's of orange label, the La Morena brand. I've got one tomatillo and one red bell pepper. Um, the other thing we're going to add to the, the sauce is um, about three to four cloves of garlic and I'm going to use the juice of one lime. You can also use onion. If, if you're going to use the onion and cook with it, I would suggest cooking the onion with the chicken. Uh, I'm going to leave it out of this. My wife, Allison, is not a huge fan of onions. Um, 
I'm not gonna add it to the broth this time around. I may cut up raw onion and put it on top of my taco when I'm finished. So let's get started. So the first thing you need to do is bring water to a boil in a pot that's large enough for the chicken that you bought. And I'm gonna pull the lid off my pot. Um, you just wanna make sure the chicken's completely covered. So once the water is, comes to a boil, you're gonna wanna add chicken to the water carefully. And then I'm going to add, I'm gonna season up the water a little bit. All right, make sure you wash your hands after you touch the chicken before you do anything else. And now we're gonna add in the bouillon cube. Um, you can also buy broth and cook it in the broth itself if that's what you got at the store. I love the bouillon cubes, they're, they're inexpensive. You get like eight of them for 99 cents at the store. Um, you can flavor an you know, entire pot of water with them. Uh, I just feel like it's a more economical way to um, make your broth. Um, so I'm gonna add some salt. And some pepper to the water. And let's add a little bit of oregano. Because we're basically, basically cooking chicken soup. Um, and that's about it. So you wanna, once you've got the chicken in there, you wanna cover the pot. You can put it in there while the water is still cold, doesn't matter. Once the water comes to a boil, um, you wanna put it down, I'm turning mine down to low. And you're gonna, you're gonna cook the chicken for, it's gonna take about one to two hours. Um, no, I'm not going to talk to you for one to two hours while the chicken's cooking um, because You'd go crazy and so would I. Uh, we're gonna, we're basically gonna walk away, just keep checking the chicken, and once it's finished, you can pause the podcast and come back, and then we'll go to the next step. Okay, so once your chicken's done cooking, um, you wanna remove it from the broth very carefully. Uh, I put it into a separate bowl and allow it to cool to room temperature because what you need to do is shred the chicken. If you've cooked it long enough, you'll know because the chicken will fall apart, it'll just fall off the bone, um, which makes it really easy. You just need to pick out the bones basically. So pull your chicken out and allow it to cool to room temperature. And then um, I guess for this part of the podcast, instead of t coming back, I'll just tell you once you're done, you shred the chicken. You basically shred all the meat white and dark and put it into a bowl, discard all the bones, you can save the broth if you'd like. Um, chicken broth freezes really well. If you put it in a freezer safe container, you can freeze the broth and reuse it when you need broth for something else like a stew or um, for salsa. Uh, it's perfect. I've done it before in the past in Ziploc baggies and it works really well. Um, so let's shred your chicken. Come back to the podcast after you shredded your chicken. Um, we'll, we'll take a break and then we'll take the next step. Okay, so you shredded your chicken. Um, now we're going to move to the next step, which is actually making the tinga part of chicken tinga. Um, so take a saucepan, um, something you'd make sauce in, turn it on high, and we're going to add, we're going to add our can of whole stewed tomatoes to the pan. So what you want to do with these tomatoes is you kind of want to take the tomatoes between your fingers and break them open. 
Um, you, if, you, if you're grossed out by touching the food, you can always do it with a fork. Um, I kind of like to get my hands in there. Um, again, it's a Jamie Oliver thing. He likes to use his hands for, you know, mixing salad and, um, you know, it's a very tactile thing to use your hands when you're cooking. So I'm squishing all these whole tomatoes a little bit. You're just kind of squashing them out so that they're flattened. These stewed whole tomatoes have the most flavor of any tomatoes that you buy in the store in a can. Um, trust me, there. It's first time I realized that it worked that way. Um, I knew I'd never go back to buying pre, um, like pre-blended tomato sauce. You can make your own tomato sauce this way. You can always take these and stick them in a blender and blend them once you're done. So I'm gonna take my can of chipotles and I'm gonna add them in here too. And also you wanna break these up a little bit. You can either cut them with a knife or you can use your fingers. Um, just need to shred them apart. These are smoky. You can smell them. They almost have a barbecue scent to them when, you're, when you, you've got them open and uh, you're messing around with them. They have a very, um, they have a very obviously smoky flavor to them and um, roasted. And, and they're great when used correctly in the right um, ingredient. They're an awesome thing to add. Okay, so we got those in there. Let's, um, now we're gonna add our garlic and our red bell pepper. So if you haven't cut up your garlic and your red bell pepper, go ahead and do it now. I cut mine up while I was waiting for the chicken to get ready. Um, and I've got one tomatillo. I'm going to, let's see, we're gonna cut up this tomatillo into small pieces. The tomatillo is a, a bit like a tomato. So it will end, end up kind of melting into the sauce a little bit. Uh, I'm just going to dice it into small pieces. And, and then once again, I have an onion, a half an onion, but I'm gonna put onion on top of the taco when it's finished um, to give it a little bit of crunch. If you want to cook your onion, feel free to add it in at this point. Okay, my tomatillo's added. And then I'm gonna add the juice of a lime. So, got a lime juicer. Cut the lime in half. The lime juice, the tomatillo, and the red bell pepper are all my additives to the sauce um, and trying to make it my own and give it a little bit more depth. Um, because the basics of the sauce are the tomatoes and the chipotle peppers, and then, you know, salt and pepper. I had a couple of old limes that didn't have much, much juice in them, so I ended up doing two limes instead of one. Um, but if you've got a brand new lime, one is perfect. And now we're gonna add some salt and pepper. Salt is super important in tomatoes, brings out the flavor. And some Mexican oregano, um, just some dried oregano, whatever you've got in hand. And that, my friends, is it. We're gonna stir it up a little bit, but we need to let this simmer down and um, the vegetables cook down a little bit before we add the chicken to it, which is the next step. So once this comes to a boil, turn the heat on low and let it simmer for about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, we're gonna we're gonna cook it down so that the tomatoes cook and that the, the bell peppers soften and everything 
kind of blends together a little better. Um, and then we'll add the chicken to it. So go ahead and come back once your sauce is ready to go in about 15 minutes. Okay, so my sauce is cooked down. Well, you can do this two ways. Um, you can take the sauce the way it is, add the chicken to it. And the sauce is a little chunky. Um, basically, you're just gonna meld the two together for about five minutes to cook them. You don't have to cook them very long because everything's cooked. Um, and serve them as tacos that way. Or you can do what I'm going to do, which is put it in the food processor and blend it up and then put it back on the stove and add the chicken to it. So if you wanna do it that way, you need to remove it from the heat and let it cool a little bit because you don't wanna put piping hot sauce in the food processor because if it splatters, it's gonna burn. Um, and then um, we're gonna blend it up and put it back inside the pan. So feel free to pause the podcast either way. I'm going to, I'm gonna blend mine. If you don't wanna blend, don't do it and we'll jump right back into adding the chicken to the sauce. The rest of the recipe won't matter either way. Okay, I just finished blending mine. It's perfect. Looks like spaghetti sauce, although it does not smell like spaghetti sauce. It smells like tinga. Um, so, put that back in the pan. You just want it to have a smooth consistency if you're gonna do it that way. Chunky is good. It's just like spaghetti sauce. Some people prefer it rustic and thick. Um, I, I prefer this smooth. So now I'm gonna add my chicken to the sauce. And then I'm gonna mix it up together. And the second you add the chicken, the sauce will stop boiling for a minute because the chicken's cooled down. And we're gonna allow this to cook on low for a few minutes. This is very similar to mole, which I will do in a future episode and it takes a long time to make, but is an amazing sauce. Um, it's a little difficult. Mole is a lot of um, taking dried chilies, rehydrating them, uh, roasting them, cooking them, blending, straining, cooking again, blending, straining, cooking again. It's a whole process. Um, but when you end up with the mole sauce in the end and you add chicken to it, in my, in my case, because I like to do pollo mole, um, it looks a lot like this sauce, although browner. But you're basically taking the shredded chicken and adding it to, um, you know, like a red sauce mix and we're gonna, basically that will be the taco. We're gonna add that to the taco, we're gonna top it with a little bit of onion and they're good to go. So let this simmer for about five minutes or so and then we'll come back to it. Okay, so my chicken tinga is done and I'm gonna heat up some tortillas and I'm using smaller corn tortillas today. Those ones are a little bit on the smaller side. Um, but you can eat more of them. And they will not take long to heat up. So these basically, they kind of, they're built, their own built-in salsa because they have sauce on them. So you almost, you just really put these on the tortilla and eat them as is. Um, you can feel free to put anything else you want on top. Um, onions, if you want to sprinkle some cheese on top, that's great. Um, because on the day that I'm recording this, it's National Guacamole Day, I'm going to add some guacamole to the top of my tacos. Um, and next week, I will have a killer 
guacamole recipe for you. Um, so make sure you tune into the podcast for that. So I'm heating up my tortillas now. I'm gonna find a spoon to spoon this on with. Um, I tend to cook my tortillas a little bit longer for sauce tacos so that the tortilla doesn't tear apart. So I have them a little bit on the crunchier slash chewy side. Okay, let's plate up. So I'm gonna take my tortilla and I'm going to spoon on some of the chicken tinga. Looks delicious. And I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit of onions and a dollop of guac on top, and we're done. That is literally it, and you can dig in. Um, as always, if you have any questions about these or problems that you're having when you're making them, feel free to reach out to me, hit me up on Instagram um, or Twitter, uh, or feel free to send me an email at rob at tacocitypod.com, and we'll be back next week with another recipe. Thanks, guys. Next week on Taco City, we'll talk to Melly from Mexico in My Kitchen, who's been helping people cook Mexican food with her blog for almost a decade. Taco City is a Rob Gokey production. It's written and produced by me, and all original music is also composed by me. You can find more information about the music at robgokey.com music, and more information about the podcast, and see photos of the restaurant and the recipe for this week's episode at robgoki.com slash taco city. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.